Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my Essentially Whole Magnesium Restore Supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code PODCAST and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Half of all women in developed countries, including the United States, will die of mostly preventable heart disease or stroke. This is one of several shocking statistics that Dr. Sarah Gottfried encountered while researching her latest publication titled Women Diet, Cardiometabolic Health, and Functional Medicine, in which she dramatically challenged the dogma that women are at lesser risk of cardiometabolic disease than men. Heart attacks, stroke, diabetes, and insulin resistance belong to this group of common yet often preventable conditions referred to as cardiometabolic disease. Because I was so moved by her research article and really taken aback, I invited her to the podcast last fall where we talked about why do women have a higher cardiometabolic mortality rate than men. If you want to go back and check out this episode in case you missed it or re-listen to it, it was episode 451 and it is in the show notes, I promise. For most of the past century, more women than men have died from cardiovascular disease. I'm talking heart attacks and stroke, yet it continues to be considered primarily a problem for men. Statistics show that by age 45, 88% of women will have some level of metabolic dysfunction, and that at this age, women are more likely than men to be overweight or have obesity, a significant risk factor for disease, cardiovascular disease, and Alzheimer's. Women are also more likely to have impaired glucose tolerance and insulin resistance throughout their lifetime. Several factors are responsible for these differences, including genetics, body fat distribution, BMI, history of gestational diabetes, and balance of sex hormones. Studies show women are also more likely to experience sleep disturbances and insomnia, as well as higher levels of stress, which are all linked to increased risk of metabolic disease. Furthermore, many issues affecting women's health can have roots in poor blood sugar control and insulin resistance. These include polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS, infertility, menstrual dysfunction, menopausal symptoms, weight management, and even skin health. Women, as we know, have unique physical cardiometabolic risks, and that is exactly what this episode is all about, is to highlight the unique risk factors that make women more prone to heart disease than men. Even beyond healthcare inequalities, women face more significant and in some cases more fatal cardiometabolic health issues. Although factors like hypertension, smoking, and high cholesterol are basically the same for both men and women, some such as smoking and diabetes can be more damaging for women. Additionally, women face many unique risk factors that men simply don't have, such as those stemming from pregnancy, menopause, and birth control use. Researchers have identified some of the sex and gender differences that can influence the risk of cardiometabolic 
outcomes in women specifically. These include, but are not limited to, by the way, these are just the most common risk factors that we know. There's obviously even more that we have not researched for a lot of reasons, but I still want to include the most common here. The first one, probably one of the most important ones is higher glucose levels and insulin resistance. As I mentioned earlier, these risk factors tend to play out for us in the majority of our lifetime more than men. So the risk of coronary heart disease increases in women with higher fasting glucose at a lower threshold than it does for men, though the reasons still remain unclear. So women begin to show a higher risk of coronary heart disease at a fasting blood sugar level of 110 milligrams per deciliter. That is, a that's, I mean, it's, it's diabetes range or it's close to diabetes range, but what that tells us is that when you go to your doctor and they say, okay, well, you're kind of sliding towards prediabetes, rarely do they talk about the fact that it's increasing our risk for cardiometabolic disease. While the risk increases for men at around 126, 128 milligrams per deciliter, that's often where we start to really flag women too, but it's, it's a little too late. Next, another big risk factor for us is diabetes. Diabetes increases the risk of cardiovascular disease for women more than men. This is partly because women with diabetes have a higher rate of abdominal belly fat, which increases the risk of high blood pressure, triglycerides, high cholesterol, and imbalanced blood sugar levels, all of which increases cardiovascular disease risk. Another risk factor that we don't talk enough about, and I, I get why, is pregnancy. Women, women experience significant physiological changes during pregnancy. It's the ultimate stress test, which can lead to complications such as gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, and hypertension. These complications can increase the risk of cardiometabolic disease for women in the future. Now, I can speak from personal experience that I did not pass the pregnancy stress test. I ended up with preeclampsia and hypertension in the end, so severe that I ended up getting induced with Kingston. And I took that as a big red flag sign that I was showing up for cardiometabolic risks down the line. And since then, I've taken it very seriously to add in modified lifestyle factors. And I really focused on just supporting my metabolic health to reduce my risk of cardiometabolic disease. One of the reasons why I've been so passionate about metabolic health and blood sugar balance specifically for women is that I have known that there are unique risk factors specifically tied to insulin resistance, blood sugar deregulation, and stress and caregiving and pregnancy that just play a bigger game for us and leave us for bigger risk toward cardiometabolic disease. Um, the next thing that has a big impact for us is birth control pills. Combined oral contraceptives like the birth control pill increases the risk of heart attack and stroke due to their higher estrogen dosage. On top of that, we know that birth control pills can reduce nutrient deficiencies. It can also create gut issues. And for some people, it can mask symptoms of PCOS and other cardiometabolic conditions that are something that we need to be aware of. So I think that's why birth control can fall under this umbrella is not only does it mess with our hormones, it messes with our gut health, it messes with our nutrients, and it can mess with our, our blood sugar and not really knowing what's going on. Next is polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. So studies find that women with infertility caused by PCOS might be of greater risk of heart disease. Women with PCOS also tend to have higher rates of high cholesterol, 
high insulin resistance, and blood pressure, three of the most common risk factors for heart disease. So when it comes to polycystic ovarian syndrome, one of the things that we see as a root cause for PCOS is the insulin resistance. And that is lending to some of the other cardiometabolic issues here. It's just something that we need to be mindful of. You know, it's our biggest hormonal imbalance is PCOS with over 5 million women suffering from it in the US alone. And it's one of the biggest causes for infertility in women as well. So it's just one of those things that we gotta pay attention to that there is a big link when it comes to PCOS and our metabolic health. Next is menopause. And I have a whole book literally devoted to this topic inside of my EO menopause book. This is due to the decrease in reproductive hormones during menopause, particularly estrogen. Women have a higher chance of developing metabolic syndrome when our estrogen levels change. But honestly, when our growth hormone, progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen levels begin to decline. This condition increases the risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease, along with insulin resistance. Next is mood disorders. Worldwide, women have a 1.7-fold greater incidence of experienced depression, which is a significant risk factor for developing heart disease. Interesting, it's a two-way relationship, as having heart attacks also increase the odds of developing depression. This mechanism behind this really remains unknown. We're still trying to figure out the connection here. Although sex differences in immune system response and inflammation do play a key role. Next is sleep. The prevalence of sleep disturbances and insomnia is significantly higher in women than men, mainly due to hormonal changes women experience throughout their lives. Research demonstrates a strong link between insomnia and an elevated risk of cardiovascular disease. I also want to point out that women definitely are struggling with sleep issues if they are moms, right? There is a big chunk of time between like zero and five years old where women are consistently not getting great quality of sleep. And I think that the older that we're having children and the lack of sleep that we're getting, especially in our in our, our later years, has a profound impact on our overall stress and inflammation and blood sugar levels. When we are not getting enough sleep, we are having a profound impact on our blood glucose um, variability and insulin resistance. So something to consider. I know for me, uh, I'm now two years in on this journey and I have not had consistent sleep in well over two years. Um, and I know that it's gonna continue to be what it is for quite some time. And it's having a profound impact. You know, I, I work really diligently to get my sleep, to get the amount of deep restful sleep that I need. But at the end of the day, my sleep is gonna be disrupted. I'm gonna be woken up multiple times and I'm gonna be waking up early as well. There is no amount of discipline around it that is that is going to, you know, um, ward off the external factors that are are creating the sleep issues. So I just want to speak to all the mamas out there. Uh, I mean, hormones aside, that we I get that caregivers are definitely having impaired sleep issues. Next is smoking. Although smoking is a risk factor for both men and women, as we all know. Women who smoke have 25 higher risk of heart disease than men, according to a meta-analysis that looked at more than 2.4 million people worldwide published in The Lancet. The reason why smoking is more harmful to women isn't fully understood. And the reason why you know I'm pointing out these risk factors and sharing with you that it's not fully understood why women are struggling, it's because we haven't been researching women. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. Still, the study authors speculate that the absorption and effects of toxins from cigarette smoke might be greater in women. Women are also less successful than men when trying to quit smoking and are more likely to start up smoking again. 
Lastly, of the most common unique risk factors that make women more prone to heart disease than men is caregiving burden. Women experience greater stress associated with gendered social roles, mainly housework and caregiving linked to a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. Gosh, and there is so much to say on that front, but at the end of the day, women are really holding the container and holding the space and doing all the things, right? We're doing the most when it comes to taking care of our family, our community, our partner, our children, everybody. And yes, it has undue burden on us that lends to higher risk of cardiovascular disease. I mean, you can feel it, right? So it definitely is. In addition to the biological differences, the gender health gap can also impact cardiometabolic health. Now, the gender health gap is an umbrella term that describes bias and inequality within the healthcare research and treatment. This is a key reason why women are worse off regarding cardiometabolic health. One of these factors is research bias. Women were simply not included in research routinely until the 1990s. Yes, the 1990s. I think it was like 1995 when the law passed that we had to start including women that was mandated. I think it was 1994 that we had to start including women in research. It was assumed that the experience of men and what was found in research studies could also be applied to women until pretty recently. Basically, it was assumed that women were just small men. And guess what? We're not. Both sex and gender play a role every step of the way from clinical understanding to symptom presentation, diagnosis, and treatment. Women are vastly underrepresented in clinical research looking at coronary heart disease. When it comes to symptoms, women are less likely to experience the recognized symptoms of heart disease, such as chest pain and like distribution down right the left side of your arm. Women are also less likely to experience they're more likely to experience a milder and less obvious signs of heart disease, such as fatigue, disturbed sleep, and pain in the back, arms, neck, and jaw without any chest pain at all. From a diagnostic perspective, women are twice as likely to receive a wrong initial diagnosis when having a heart attack, primarily because they can experience different symptoms compared to men. Even if a woman's symptoms are recognized, the proper diagnosis is given Data shows that women don't always receive the appropriate medications after heart attack. A review published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology found that women are more likely to receive treatment for heart disease when their doctor is a woman compared if they are seeing a male physician. So what do we do and where do we go from here, right? Given that often um, when we come in with subjective signs for cardiometabolic disease or a heart attack that we could potentially be ignored and potentially not get the right treatment or medication, either because we're not believed or it's not widely understood what's going on with us. Also, given the fact that there are unique risk factors that place us at a higher risk for cardiometabolic disease, like what do we do, right? When, when, when you think about half of us will die of cardiovascular disease at some point, and it's happening earlier and earlier for women as well, what I want to do is I want to offer some recommendations regarding your metabolic health that I find critical for reducing your risk. And the reason why I dove so deeply into this, as I mentioned before, is that ding, 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 I immediately knew that I was queued up for cardiovascular disease when I got preeclampsia and um, and hypertension during my pregnancy, at the end of my pregnancy, because I will tell you that I didn't really have any markers for it. Now, I could say when we look back at my history of chronic stress and autoimmune conditions and, and all of that, that I feel like I've done a really great job of reversing, 
that there's probably just some damage there that was still under the surface, that wasn't being picked up by routine tests or routine checks. So I dove deep into how to optimize my metabolism and my hormones because I knew that this wasn't just my issue, that this was the issue of millions and millions of women. And it's a silent conversation. The signs are silent. The, um, you know, the, the prevention for women is relatively quiet too. And I just feel like we just need to be having this conversation more and more. Um, so here are some of the things I'm going to recommend. Again, I'm going to keep this pretty general today because really what this episode was about was just identifying unique risk factors that make us more prone to heart disease than men and just putting it out there so that women know that more of us know that this is going down. But there are also some things that we can do today, starting this week or next week, that can start to move the needle in the right direction. So first off, it's always food, right? Eating a metabolically healthy diet is key. And I always want to be focusing on hormone-loving foods because one of the risk factors is the fact that our hormones are shifting and changing. And if we can nurture them and support them as much as possible, then we have a better outcome down the line. So when I think about metabolically healthy foods, I think first, a lot of green leafy vegetables, lots of salads, mixed greens, sauteed spinach, you know, greens and soups, you know, as many you know, greens and smoothies, like get it where you fit in, find a way to get all the veggies. Um, and then cruciferous veggies and the color of the rainbow. Also seasonal fruits, especially fruits high in polyphenols. So think high in pigment like blueberries, raspberries, cherries, um, you know, those those really pigmented fruits. Um, and then gut-loving foods like sauerkraut and kimchi, along with seeds like chia and flax seeds, if you can tolerate them. Not only do these plant foods fuel your cells, they also support and heal your gut and support your liver. Since this topic is so dense, I highly recommend checking out my episode 383 on how to build a metabolically healthy meal. But one of the keystones of that episode is diversifying your plant foods. So the recommendation is eating 30 different types of plants every single week, right? The more diversity, the better, because your gut loves diversity. In the meantime, I do want to hook you up with my blood sugar-friendly smoothie and shake guide that I will have in the show notes as well. So you've got my two episodes and you got the smoothie and shake guide. These smoothie and shake guides, they they hit the mark. They do all the, the green leafy vegetables, the protein, the healthy fats, the vibrant fruit so that you are really supporting your blood sugar and you are kickstarting your morning or your afternoon with a metabolically healthy meal that is super easy to make. I mean, three minutes tops. Even my toddler and I can make a smoothie in like three to five minutes, right? It's that easy. So I will promise to have the link for that amazing gift inside of the show notes. And if you're wondering if your metabolism and blood sugar need a massive reset, like you're concerned, right? I I was concerned, so I get it. I, right now, am in the process of filling my game-changing 90-day metabolism coaching program. It's going to be kicking off in mid-May with a very small group of motivated women, just like you and me, and I will have all the details at drmarisa.com slash makeover. So you can find that link in the show notes as well. Now, this 90-day makeover, I've had a lot of questions about it, isn't a diet program or a weight loss protocol. It is a transform how you feel Get your hormones straightened out and get your groove back. Total health makeover. It is a tailored plan specifically for you where I'm going to also be giving you a ton of just powerful lifestyle hacks and biohacks specifically for women and a way to operate in your life 
where you are optimizing your metabolism, your energy, your blood sugar, all of the important markers that have you living sustainable and living high vitality for many, many years to come, especially if you're in perimenopause and menopause, because I know that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Now, once you get down and really dig into the root cause of your fatigue and the weight gain or or maybe just your metabolic issues, right? We're going to be able to reignite your metabolism, stabilize those blood sugar levels, unleash your energy, right? We're going to be working on mitochondrial efficiency inside this program and shift you into a fat-burning state while building muscle strength and endurance, right? I want you strong. I want you healthy. I want you energized. I want you like literally firing on all cylinders because guess what? We deserve to feel like that and we we need to feel like that, right? So that we can do the big things that we want to do in the world. So if you want to apply to join me, which I really hope you would love, go to drmarisa, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com slash makeover. Again, I have limited spots. I'm not taking on very many people. I already have a couple women who've joined, about like four or five now, um, but I do have limited spots left. And again, you can find the link in the show notes with all the details to go and apply. So there is a little application form um, because there are, there are people who definitely it hasn't been a great fit for so far. And I always want to make sure it's a great fit for the group and a great fit for you and me because I want you to get the most out of it. So again, go to the show notes to go and check that out. Number two, movement. Obviously, we got to move, right? And by movement, I'm talking walking every day if you can. Walking 30 minutes a day will upgrade your health, especially if those walks are after your biggest meals. The best movement is hands down, I did a whole episode on it recently, is weight training. I'm talking about lifting heavy weights. We want to make sure that you maintain that muscle mass. We want to make sure that we regulate insulin and blood sugar in a really great way. And we know that muscle mops up excess glucose and it's one of the best regulators of blood sugar, hands down. And it's one of the best markers for great cardiometabolic function. What I love about, you know, focusing on muscle building and focusing on strength there is that you're just going to feel so great. Not only will you feel leaner and more toned, but you will feel stronger and have more endurance. I think that is a major, major missed opportunity for so many women is to focus on muscle building because we we decline our muscle by 8% every single decade starting in our 30s. It's something that we need to be paying attention to. Number three, Definitely a major factor here is getting high quality sleep, right? Poor sleep can impair glucose processing and increase insulin resistance even over short periods of time. The reason may be because sleep deprivation can increase levels of hormones associated with the sympathetic nervous system, right? The fight or flight system. Basically, when you don't get good, great sleep, it's going to mess with your cortisol levels. Um, and we know that shorting yourself on sleep also affects other hormones like growth hormone, testosterone, and progesterone. Um, and includes upregulating appetite and cravings. So you want to aim for eight to nine hours of sleep as much as you really need. And really it starts with your routine at night. Like if you know, like reverse engineer, if you know your toddler or your 10-year-old is going to get you up in the morning at 6 a.m. or whatever it may be, reverse engineer how many hours you need from there, right? And then making sure that you eat the last meal three to four hours before going to bed so that you get that deep restful sleep. That's going to be my recommendation here. Um, and I have a lot of episodes talking about sleep hygiene. I have a whole protocol in the essential oils menopause solution along with essential oil recommendations. We put essential oils on all of us every single night. I mean, there's a lot of ways to make sure that you get that deep restful sleep. Number four is master your stress. 
As you heard, stress is a cardiobolic risk factor for us. It's especially potent for us as women. Stress promotes the release of hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, and norepinephrine. This stimulates the liver to create and release glucose that makes the liver actually more insulin resistant, acutely insulin resistant. Evolutionarily, this may have made sense, making sure your body had enough quick fuel glucose to respond to a threat. But today, when most of our stressors are psychological, this reaction just leads to elevated blood sugar levels and it leads to insulin resistance over time. Studies show that simple actions like twice-weekly meditation or 20-minute daily breathing exercises can reduce glucose levels and improve glucose variability and glucose tolerance. I personally find walking is a great stress reliever as well, but honestly, getting where you fit in. If you're looking for a lot of ways to lower your stress, I offer tons of resources and tools in my EO Menopause Solution book, and I've also dedicated many episodes here on the show to overcoming my stressaholic nature and how to rewire your stress response system. As a bonus, I wanted to share some other surefire hacks that will help stabilize your blood sugar and help facilitate insulin sensitivity to improve your cardiometabolic function. And always feel free to integrate these blood sugar hacks and metabolic hacks. Um, The ones that are easiest for you, bring them on, or you could even stack them. I stack a ton of these every single day. So here are my favorite eight. Number one, probably one of the most important things you can do is break your fast with a savory meal with protein, healthy fats, and tons and tons of fiber. Don't have a sugary breakfast because the first meal of the day sets the tone for your metabolism for up to 48 hours. Like if you want to blow up your blood sugar and you want to blow up your insulin and wreak havoc on your metabolism, eat a sugary breakfast. Like eat a full oatmeal breakfast drink a full sugar smoothie, have a vanilla latte that will decimate your blood sugar for the next 48 hours. Next, start each meal with a plate of veggies or a salad. I mean, every single meal you have every day needs to have vegetables in it. Fiber is what is keeping us alive. Fiber is our vitality. Fiber supports our microbiota. Fiber supports um, our digest, like literally the motility of our digestive system. It supports our liver function. It supports the creation and elimination of our hormones. Fiber helps to stabilize blood sugar levels. There's just too many benefits of fiber. Make sure that you're getting at least bare minimum 35 grams of fiber every day, close to 50 ideally. And again, if you are hitting those 30 different veggies and fruits and plant foods every single week with, you know, you know, almost on a daily, then you're going to be able to, you're going to be in a great shape with your fiber. Next, eat food in order. So fiber first, right? We want to really set our gut up and we want to be able to absorb any of the carbs and starches, followed by protein and fat, and then your carbs and starches. And remember, this this is also in relation to our menstrual cycle. You know, there are certain times of of our cycle where we can go a lot more low carb and then times of our cycle where we need to really cycle carbs back in. And that that really sacred window where carbs are super important is the week prior to our period, that second part of our luteal phase. So there's there's a way to think about this in terms of every day managing our, our blood sugar balance, but also, also honoring our menstrual cycle. And I will have a full episode on this coming up very soon. Next, dress your carbs with protein and fats. So pair your apple with almond butter or pair your gluten-free toast with avocado and salmon and tomato right? So that you are helping to create a complete meal that is nutrient dense and that will stabilize your blood sugar. 
Number five, go for a 20 to 30 minute walk after your meals, especially after dinner. Six is have dessert if you're going to have dessert, which, you know, I don't know if every day needs to be a dessert day. Um, Have dessert after a meal, not for a snack or for breakfast. Ideally, like the best time to do dessert is probably after lunch. And it could be a dark piece of chocolate. I mean, there's a lot of healthy, one of my favorite desserts is evolved keto cups. There's a little, there's a lot of ways to make dessert work. I also love like a handful of cashews and some blueberries. I know this isn't like sexy dessert that I'm talking about, but it, it, there's, it feels good. It's nourishing your body and it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. So something to consider. Number seven, drink a tablespoon of vinegar before a meal to curb your blood sugar spike, especially if it's dessert, if you are concerned about insulin resistance and blood sugar variability. And then number eight, take berberine with your meal to curb your blood sugar spike as well. Um, In my herbal glucose supplement called Glucose Support, I incorporate berberine along with other super herbs that not only reduce glucose and insulin levels, but to also impact weight, um, low-density lipoproteins, and triglycerides. So if you're looking for a glucose support supplement that also really takes on your cardiometabolic health, the reason why I, I formulated glucose support the way that I did was that I knew that glucose and insulin sensitivity was all a, was a, was a big part of the puzzle in your cardiometabolic journey. Um, but I also wanted to address some of the other factors for cardiometabolic health, um, especially metabolic syndrome, like high triglycerides, high cholesterol, right? And then and then holding on to way too much weight. And so glucose support was designed to address many facets of metabolic syndrome as a whole. Whew, now that you have some of my best recommendations to reduce cardiometabolic risk, I recommend sitting down and thinking about which areas need improvement in your health. Is it sleep? Is it movement, particularly resistance exercise? Or maybe it's stress and food choices. I would get clear on the biggest need and start there. And if you're really ready to jumpstart your metabolism and reverse some of your cardiometabolic markers, I highly recommend applying for my 90-day metabolism makeover coaching program. I will be incorporating the right lifestyle strategies and protocols to heal your metabolism and to boost your energy levels for years to come. That is the goal. The link again to apply is in the show notes. Just go to drmarisa.com makeover. Now, if you loved these tips today, despite me being a little bit sick and still having a head cold, please be sure to subscribe for more easy tips to heal your hormones and to upgrade your metabolic health. Also, take a moment, leave a quick review so that more women are benefiting from these episodes um, so that we can help more women become the CEO of their health. You know, when when we get information into women's hands like this, man, the tide shifts and changes in our favor in terms of our health and wellness. And that's exactly what I want to see. Again, thank you so much and have an amazing day.